return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Of our passing or so forth, it's really not up to us to choose. But uh, you want to always be ready to have your heart right with Jesus. And comfort did. Boy, she loved Jesus and... She'd get up and dance here and so forth. We had many good fellowship times together. Talked to her just prior to the surgery. And she was doing well and so forth. But just never woke up from the surgery. So, tough deal. Uh, Thursday, of course, the ladies are meeting and so forth like that. So, got kids rock today, ages 3 to 1st grade. They're going to head back there. Got a youngster or something. Amen. Did you bring your Bible? How many of you are reading your Bible every day? Good to do, amen. <clears throat> How many of you eat food every day? Ah, probably everybody would, right? Well, of course you do. Well, you eat food. This is spiritual food, all right? This is spiritual food. This is what feeds your spirit. So, actually, if you could see, if you could see electronically through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, you'd look at a lot of Christians and they'd be emaciated. You know, weak, uh, not knowing truth, just walking you know, in the flesh and so forth. But when we know the truth, the Word of God, so we're talking about the Word of God, living for Jesus, something wonderful happens. Hallelujah. And you can't overdose on the Word. Amen. It's always a good thing. All right. Let's take our Bibles just for a minute. Let's stand up a second. Say with me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, before I start what I'm going to share on, let me just, uh, I I thought uh, two weeks ago, uh, last week I wasn't feeling good and so forth, but thank God I feel great. Hallelujah. But I wanted to just kind of give, uh, <laughs> I hadn't planned to share about my brother coming, my oldest brother coming to Christ, how that situation happened. Uh, rather than killing himself, he gave his life to Jesus. His life changed. It was, it was amazing. So let me just tell you the rest of the story. My brother had three children. And so he got to see all those children get married, graduate, get married and so forth like that. In the mid-1990s, the United States decided to open up quietly, open up an embassy again in Vietnam. And so it wasn't a big deal, but they were going to go back. Saigon was renamed to Ho Chi Minh City. And so in the mid-1990s, they had, they had this plan. And they called my brother was a school teacher in Sioux City. And they called him and they said, uh, we want you to go. Your name is selected to go to represent the army, to go back because they're going to raise the flag. And we wanted someone from each branch of service to be there when they raised the flag. And my brother, he was hesitant and so forth. And then he said, well, he had a lot of excuses, but he said, well, I'm a school teacher. I can't get out of the school. And the guy said, we'll take care of that. And then he says, well, I don't have a passport. I can't go. I don't have a passport. The guy said, we'll take care of that. And he said, well, I really don't have a suit or anything to wear, you know, diplomatic mission because... Because there were congressmen, there were people going and so forth like this. He said, I don't have a suit. He says, we got a suit for you. We got, we got a suit. And he's, then he was, he was him-hawing, you know, on the phone. And the guy said, look, we know everything about you. And we want you to go. He was decorated and a lot of things like that. So my brother uh, ends up going back with congressional representatives, military people, go back to Ho Chi Minh City. They raise the flag at a new embassy there. And uh, so forth. And after that, he didn't just stop there. He took the teachers from Sioux City High School. He took teachers with him to Vietnam and uh, brought them there as well. And then he brought all of his kids to Vietnam and uh, on another trip. So different years and so forth, brought people back to Vietnam and so forth. And it was really uh, a healing, 
it was a blessing. It was eye-opening for a lot of people and so forth like that. So, so the, the wonderful thing is, you know, sometimes people can look at their life. As my brother did at one point, everything was hopeless. There was no reason to live uh, and so forth. And yet, there's always a reason to live. Amen? God can take things and turn it around 100% and make things new. And uh, uh, praise God for all that. Different times I tell, I tell my brother Dick, say, look, you're still alive to see this shit and all this stuff. So it was all a blessing. Well, we talked about the fact God is a planner. You only have to look at your neighbor and see that, how he made us with 11 systems in our body. You could walk outside if it's a clear day, you see the sun or at night, the moon, you know the rotation, the universe, there's billions of galaxies. It's pretty impressive. Everything about this world points to a creator and his name is Jesus Christ. So, so the fact people just have to, rather than worship creation or worship the stars or worship other things, worship the one who made all those things, you know. So, uh, uh, so we have uh, God as a plan, very clear, and we see Jesus' life. Everything he did had a plan, how he fed the 4,000, how he fed the 5,000. Uh, he'd be out at night hearing the Father's voice, raising Lazarus from the dead. He wasn't surprised Lazarus was dead. He knew Lazarus was dead, all right? So it wasn't like he was crying because he was dead. He was crying because of the unbelief of the people, because he said, I'm the resurrection of the life, and they didn't believe him. So, so Jesus, Jesus was a planner. And so then we talked about last week, there can be hindrances to God's plans. And, of course, the enemy does not want the plan of God to come, come forth. What's the ultimate plan of God? Souls. It's always the focus is people, souls. God cares about people. And not just who they are, not just, oh, they have a good life. No, that they get born again, that they make it to heaven. Amen. That's why, folks, honestly, that's why we're here. You have a purpose. Your life has a purpose. You're here to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You have a ministry. The Bible says the ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. It's turning people to Jesus. That is the ministry, all right? So, so that's the focus of a Christian, is, is relating people to Jesus Christ. That is the message. We have to understand that. The Bible has a message. It doesn't have 25 messages. The message is in Jesus Christ. And so that's how we want to declare it, amen? But the devil, of course, wants to hinder that. And we shared that from the scripture, where you see the enemy can come in and cause uh, problems and so forth like that. But now, let me mention one other place. There's another place that can hinder God's plans, and that's our own inaction. So, so indecision is also a decision not to act. So indecision is a decision. A decision not to read your Bible is a decision not to act. So and what's that going to do? If you don't read your Bible, you're going to hinder God's plans for your life. This isn't, it's not complicated. People, people make things very complicated or very mystical or so forth. No, no, it's not complicated. If you're not in your Bible, you're going to have a spirit that is, that is uh, uh, starved. Okay? You won't be well spiritually. I can say this a hundred different ways, but the fact is you have to be in the Word of God. That is a good thing. Amen. You know, I love the fact that we preach the gospel here. Many of you join us around the world. We bless you in Jesus' name. But it is the same for you, whatever country you're in, living for Jesus and being in the Word of God, the Bible. That's why we like getting Bibles out. That's why I'm always glad when the Gideons give Bibles out. We've gone around the world and given Bibles out. That's why, that's why uh, the devil is so threatened by the Bible. In many places, in public schools, they don't want the Bible to be on a teacher's desk. Just the book itself is a threat. It's a threat because of what's in it. So when we, if people get into the Bible, revelation comes as far as who Jesus is and something can happen good, hallelujah, in people's lives. So, so our inaction, our inaction or indecision to act and so forth is going to cause difficulties in our life. It's going to hinder the plan of God. Many people out there just, you know, they just, well, why didn't God do this? And why didn't God do that? And they're just clueless. They're clueless of Bible teaching. And many of them even can be Christians. So just because you come into a relationship with Christ doesn't mean all this has been downloaded just like that. You know, if a thumb drive into your spirit it didn't happen that way. 
It happens page by page, verse by verse, taking the promises of God, claiming the promises of God in your life, for your family, on your job, whatever you're doing. Amen? Turn your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. <laughs> these things, these things are just, they're elementary and yet they're deeply spiritual. All right? So we have to apply them in our lives. So let me read just a few scriptures. First of all, 1 John 3. 1 John 3 just says, we know the love. He laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoever has the world good sees his brother in need, shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God dwell in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And that was a wonderful thing, seeing Patrick doing something. You know, he had the four-wheel drive vehicle. He knew about snow. He's out there doing what? Just helping people, right? Helping people. And, and then he's feeding people and so forth. And the gospel isn't just those things. Then the, you bring the gospel in there, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can feed someone's belly, but if you don't hear about Jesus, that's not going to help them. Actually, someone can be healed. You can have miracle services and people are healed and set free. Well, that's fine. But if the person doesn't get saved, they're still going to hell. Notice what Jesus said when the one leper came back to give thanks. He said, this one came back and was made whole. So there's ten healed, but nine of them walked away in their healing, but never found Jesus. One of them found Jesus. Hallelujah. That person was whole. So that is critical in life. Jesus Christ and his uh, love for people. So we have to take what we have and use it for God's glory. That's why we do a lot with missions. That was, that's why we give things away around the world. That's why we help pastors. Amen. We're not... We're not building projects, we're not building schools, we're not building churches, structures, and so forth. Those things can burn in a moment. We've learned that. They can be gone tomorrow. No, we're trying to build people. Amen. Trying to build the people. Trying to build those that are strong for Jesus Christ. So, we start a new year. People think about the new year and new beginnings and so forth. Here's a question. What actions have you taken to move forward? should write this down. What actions? In a bulletin, we always have notes and so forth. Very few people take notes, but again, if you're going to pass a course, college course or any course, you have to take some measure of notes because, let's face it, you're not smart enough to get it all. None of us are. So you take some measure of notes to learn, to teach, to because when you, you hear it as one, write it as another, and it solidifies something in your heart. So, what actions have you taken in your life, all right, to move forward in this year? What, what financial actions have you taken? What health actions have you taken for your life? Amen? Or fitness, that could go with the health. Or family priorities. What, what actions have you taken? So it's one thing, you know, like, like people say, New Year's resolutions, most of those are gone in about a week or ten days. Unless you take action. Now, action is something that has to keep being repeated. We, in our country, so we live in the, so to speak, the richest country in the world. And yet, the poor keep growing poorer. People keep make, getting poorer. People making poorer decisions. And people end up at my age in life, and then people thinking... I don't have any money, and I want the government to take care of me. Now, why is that? Because they never had any actions. Because they procrastinated. Because they put it off for the pleasures of today, thinking somehow tomorrow will take care of itself. I know pastors who are extremely poor, and pastors who are much older than me, who are still trying to preach because they want an offering... Because they don't have any money. I could list names to you of pastors that I talked about being a good steward financially for their family. And they turned their face from me and didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to hear the topic. I trust God. God will take care of me. All the religious kind of statements. <laughs> However, personal responsibility in life, personal, your life is critical. You have to think about your life, your decisions. I have to think about my life. 
What I eat, what I do, what I exercise, what I read, what I save, or what I spend. All these things are decisions that come down to our future, right? So, so it's human nature to blame somebody else. It's their fault. That's what we see in government. Not just our government. Government's all over the world. It's their fault. The government should do something. The government... Uh, what about you? What is your choice? I saw, I saw a spirit-filled pastor's wife the other day lambasting the medical community because, because they, didn't, they weren't doing all their things, telling people how to eat and so forth. And I'm thinking, doesn't she know that they have a brain? That they should know how to eat? So you actually think you're going to go to the doctor and the doctor's going to give you all these rules and you shouldn't eat this and you shouldn't do this and this. Doctors don't do that. He gave us a brain. And if you listen to the Holy Spirit, a lot of times the Holy Spirit will say, don't put that in your mouth. Or the Holy Spirit will say, you don't need another plate of food. <laughs> Look at you. You don't need another plate of food. You got, you've eaten enough. Can you say amen? amen? See, there's practical things in life. Practical things in life, and yet we don't want to think about it. Procrastination is always somebody else and some reason why I don't do something today. People die around us all the time, and someone says, I wonder if they're a Christian. Did you work with them? Did you say anything? I purpose, I purpose in my life, I don't want to go to any funeral, the person that I know that I did not say something to about Jesus. I do not want to be in their funeral or have their funeral and I, and I withheld the gospel from them. Don't want to be there. So you have to push yourself to do things for the gospel's sake. Now, in Matthew 7, 21, Jesus is talking here and he just says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father. Very pointed statement here. So there's many people that would call themselves Christians, and Jesus is actually saying they're not all going to heaven. They're not all going to heaven. What is the key? The key is the action, right? That's the key in this verse. The key is the action, is those who do something. And what are they doing specifically? They're doing the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? That's going to be found in the Bible. Amen? We can just delineate this all down. But we have to understand that people, in other words, they, they might have been religious, might be at one point were Christians, I don't know. But the fact is, procrastinate, procrastinate, put off, and never do the gospel. Never live the gospel. Isn't that right? If you had, if you had, so I remember, so some of you, some of you are younger. This will date us a little bit. But when my wife and I, started visiting together and so forth, and then had some time, dates and so forth. And I lived in Brookings, and she lived in Sioux Falls. And there was such a thing in those days called writing a letter. And they would write a letter, and it would get come in the mailbox, and she would write a letter, and I would write letters, and they'd go back and forth and so forth. And occasionally a phone call, but phone calls are expensive, you know. So, so you'd get a letter, and how did you treat that letter? So you get a letter in the mailbox. Here the letter is. How do you treat the letter? Eh, I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll read it. I'll read it later. And folks, listen. Listen how people are today on their phones. They can't hardly. They're so glued. They're in a conversation. They get a text. Oh, just a second. I got a text. I got to text somebody. Now, how do you think Jesus would feel? How do you think Jesus would feel when he wrote us love letters and he gave us all this good word, and he wants to tell us how much he appreciates us, loves us, cares for us, his plans for us. And how do you think he would feel if it was like, another time. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to read my Bible. Why is it? You're procrastinating. You're putting off. You're not looking at the priority of the way it should be looked at. When I got a letter, if it was from Jeannie, whoop, let's look at it. Probably read it a couple times. Went to a class, came back and read it again. See, this is, how, this is how precious that word was in our love relationship, how precious this word is between God and us and that love relationship. 
Procrastination, so let me give you some quotes. Procrastination is the art of keeping up with yesterday. One guy said, if it weren't for the last minute, I wouldn't get anything done. Someone said, someday, someday is not a day of the week. You'll get it. To think too hard, to think too hard about doing a thing often becomes its undoing. It's called the paralysis of analysis. You think about it, you think about it, think about it. I never get it done. Procrastination is opportunities, assassin. If you want to make an, an easy job mighty hard, just keep putting it off. Put it off, put it off, put it off. And the longer you put it off, the harder it becomes, right? Have you ever looked at somebody else and said, they ought to do this and this and this? And, and if someone else looked at you and think, yeah, and you ought to too. It's always easier to be critical of other people and miss yourself. The best way to get something done is to begin. The word triumph begins with try. So if you don't try, if you don't begin, it's not going to happen. I don't care how spiritual, I don't care how you talk. I don't care how you talk. It gets down to action. So I don't, I don't look at, even Christians anymore, folks, I don't listen. They can have all the right cliches, all the right stuff. No, I'm going to look at their feet. I watch people's feet, their actions, and how that lines up with the Bible. I'm not stupid. People say a lot of things. Christians say a lot of things. I'm not stupid. I don't care if someone says, thus saith the Lord. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And I cannot believe how many Christians out there saying, thus saith the Lord, that are off. Not biblical. Putting off an easy thing makes it hard. Putting off a hard thing makes it impossible. Put it off, put it off, makes it impossible. How hard is it to lose, lose uh, 10 pounds? Depends where you're at. How hard is it to develop a habit to read the Bible? Start today. Tomorrow is the only day in the year that appeals to a lazy man. Tomorrow is the only day of the year that appeals to a lazy man. A year from now, a year from now, you'll wish you would have started today. That's why people do New Year's resolutions. I don't do New Year's resolutions. Because all I'm doing is repolishing and reviving, so forth, and improving. I'm not going to something brand new. What's, what's God saying to you? <laughs> He's not saying anything new, folks. It's just the, in the Word of God. A year from now, you wish you would have started today. Procrastination is the thief of time. Procrastination is hands down our favorite form of self-sabotage. In a moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing to do. The worst thing you can do is nothing. Teddy Roosevelt. The greatest amount of wasted time is the time not getting started. Someone who founded the Navigators. These are, all, these are all big things. Genesis 19. Genesis 19. So we have the story of Abraham and Lot, and you know the stories of Sodom and so forth. Keep in mind that Abraham and Lot were close. They had a relationship with God. They loved God, serving the Lord, and so on and so forth. Lot goes into Sodom as one man, the way he was. And in the process of time, in the process of time, while Lot is in Sodom, his walk with God changes. And so Sodom's there, and he can have these thoughts, I should do something. I should do something. For who? For his children. He could have said, I should move. I should move. I should move out of this town. This town's a wreck. It's terrible. I should move. Didn't do anything. Procrastination. And so we come down, down to 19, verse 14. He goes and he speaks to his sons-in-law, who married his daughters, he says, get up out of this place. The Lord's going to destroy this city. Both his sons-in-law seem to him to be joking. Now, think about this. So he has this family. His family, let's just say this, loves God. They love the Lord and so forth. And now they've all fallen away. They fell away. So he has his daughters. His daughters who face this judgment because of why? Because of his procrastination. Because as a father and the leader of his home, he did not do something. He did not say something. He was not active. He did not lead his family out. 
And so now his daughters stand in that same judgment because of his procrastination. And then it goes on, the next verses, 15 and so forth. It says, so, verse 15 we got there. So the angels urge him, take your wife, your two daughters, here. Let's, let's, let's get out of here before you're consumed of the punishment of the city. Notice the word here. He lingers. He's still procrastinating. He's still procrastinating. I mean, you're talking about a city that is so vile, uh, uh, violence, morality. There is no morality, no sexual morality. It is so vile. There is none, not an inkling of righteousness. And he's lingering. Procrastination. Caused the fall of his whole family. So he's there and it says he lingers. And the men took hold of his hand. Look at the angels come and say, look, we're going out of this place. They took hold of his hand. Amazing. And the hands of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful to him, they brought him out of the city and set him outside the city. I mean, kind of, kind of amazing. Let's go to verse 19. So, so here he's saying, Indeed, your servant has found favor in your sight. You've increased your mercy, which you've shown to me by saving my life. I cannot escape the mountains. Let some evil come and take me. Here, let, let's hurry. Let's escape. I can't do anything. And the angels are saying, we've got to escape. I can't do anything until you arrive there, until you get out of this place. What is he doing? He's still procrastinating. So they get him out of the city and say, Well, I don't know. I don't want to go up there. I don't know what, I don't know what to do. Indecision, indecision. Indecision is a decision. Not to act. Your and my decisions today affect our families, affect our future. I'm talking about spiritually. Amen? This goes all over the world, any place on this planet. Our decisions, their first ministry is your family. If you're married, you have children, you have grandchildren or whatever. And so here he is, he's still, he's still he has worries and fears and his actions, paralysis, you know. Ah, don't know what to do. So in verse 22, it says, of course, hurry, escape. I can't do anything until you arrive. So God is gracious. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. Okay, Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8, of course, we have the story. Moses leaves uh, uh, Egypt. He's gone for 40 years. The pharaohs and the leaders of the land now are all gone. The lady who raised him and so forth in the palace, they're all gone. They're all dead and so forth. He's 80 years old. And he's coming back to Egypt to bring deliverance for the children of Israel. And at Pharaoh, of course, now Pharaoh was a leader, but Pharaoh had his procrastination things of his own. Folks, everybody has to deal with this. So this isn't a message like, oh, oh, that's good for those people over there. No, this is good for all of us. Because we have things in our life. It could be even blind spots in our life, but we have things in our life that we have to keep growing in. And we can't put things off thinking, oh, it'll work out. It'll work out. And the answer to that is maybe. So Pharaoh, here he is. So uh, this is Exodus 8. And it says, the Lord spoke, go to Pharaoh, says, thus saith the Lord, my people, let my people go. If you refuse, I'm going to smite the ter territory with frogs. These are all signs and wonders. And the river will bring forth frogs. They're going to come into your house. Notice your bedroom, your bed, the house of your servants, your people, your ovens, <laughs> the food trough, the food bowls, and all the things like that. So the frogs are going to be everywhere. Now, of course, you know the story. So, again, again, God's trying to, to, to bring his people out. But verse 9 and 10, so, so Moses is saying to him. Honor, uh, Moses said to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying, when I shall intercede for you, for your servants, for your people, destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. And Pharaoh says, he says, when should I do this? Now, when would you want, when would you want relief? Well, if, hey, you got frogs in your bed. You got frogs all over your house. You got slime. You're living in a slime pit, all right? And Pharaoh's comment, Pharaoh's comment is tomorrow. See this comment here? So he's on, he says today, all this, we're living with the frogs and so forth. And it's like, uh, no, I want, I want one more night. One more night with the frogs in my bed. 
One more night, listen to my kids complain. One more night, listen to my wife. One more night, all these things. One more night. What is this? What is this? This is procrastination. Now, we can see that, but there's things in our own life that we realize, Lord, Lord, do this uh, this week or so. Why not? Why not today? Say today. Why would we wait? Why would we wait another day when the opportunity is today? Amen? Okay, let me... There's some of these you can write down. Today is the tomorrow. You should write this down. Today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. Today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. So yesterday, you're thinking about tomorrow, worried and so forth. Now we're in today, which is yesterday, you worried about it. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is is the gift of God. That's why we call it the present. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not come. We have only today. Let us begin. Let us do something. The future depends on what you do today. We have many things. It's easy to put off, put off, put off. You spend your whole life stuck in the labyrinth thinking how you'll escape one day, how awesome it'll be, imagining the future, that future comes, uh, keeps you going, but you never do it. So you're thinking about someday, 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 but you never do it. And this says, the comment says, you just use the future to escape the present. You're dreaming about something else, something else, but you never do anything. The future starts today, not tomorrow. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, which is a pretty common sort of thing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and 3, it says, We work together with him. Don't receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, In an acceptable time I've heard you. In the day of salvation I've helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense to anything that our ministry be not blamed. In other words, we're going to do something. Say, do something. So say, now. So now is an acceptable time. So, so even, even as I'm talking here, you can think about things in your personal life and so forth that you might want to adjust or change or so forth. When do you start? Today. When do you start today? That's, that's just... Uh, many people, many people are living today thinking, oh, I wished a year ago I would have done this. Wish a year ago I would have made this change. But change doesn't come easy because, because why? Our flesh doesn't want to change. The natural man doesn't want to change. The body, this body doesn't want to change. This body wants to be pampered. So we have to implement, implement the things of God to bring change. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. When is, it, when is, when is faith always applicable? Now. It's not for tomorrow. You need faith right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need faith right now. So faith is always in the now, right? Today Today is the day of salvation. It's not someday, but today. Jesus said in John chapter 4, he's looking at the disciples. Now, you know the disciples had to be having some sort of conversation for Jesus to say this. He'd minister to the woman at the well. He'd, he'd uh, 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 this is a woman of Samaria who the disciples and others didn't want to have any interactions with. She goes back to town. She's talking to the men of the town. She's, and she's, you know, she had a reputation with men. But these men catch the vision, and they're going to come out to the hill to meet Jesus, all right, uh, to Jacob's well. And so Jesus looks at the disciples. Notice what he says. Don't say there's still four months, and then comes the harvest. What is he doing? He's addressing Something they've been saying. And Jesus is basically saying, don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. You know, many people say, oh, we're praying for souls. We're praying for this and that and other stuff. And uh, when have you witnessed to somebody? When have you witnessed to somebody? When have you given out a gospel tract? When have, you, when have you texted that person with the scripture to say, Jesus loves you and you need to turn your heart to him? Now, you can pray and pray and pray, but listen, listen, there's no substitute for action. Prayer is not a substitute for action. 
I witnessed to my brothers who cursed me, who did not like me. My family thought I was the biggest loser in the family. And I witnessed to them. I endured cursing, literally. I endured humiliation from my parents and my brothers. But I continued to witness to them. I continued to write letters. Letters. I continued to send gospel tracts. Why? I could pray for, oh, touch him, touch him, touch him. Well, somebody better, better witness to them, right? Somebody has to bring the gospel message. You can hope someone does. I didn't live by them. I'd see them in holidays and so forth. So we could hope, oh, I hope somebody does it. And the Lord said, you do it, Dave. They're your family. I'm pastoring a church. I don't expect you to write my family, Right? Oh, we're right, the pastor's family. And so, no, 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 no. It's my family. It's your family. So I could procrastinate. I could put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off. Or continue to do something for many years, decades. When my dad in his 80s, finally, he's blind, he's in a wheelchair and so forth. And I shared with him one more testimony. A guy... A guy in this church, his daddy got saved, died of cancer in Flandreau, and his daddy gets saved, prayed in the hospital, and he'd been a Billy Gunner in a B-29 or something like that, and he was, had thank, didn't even know why he had lived through all those things, and he's on his deathbed, and he gives his heart to Jesus. It was like, oh, wow, this is wonderful. And I go home to Iowa, and I go home to Iowa to see my dad again, and I, so I said, Dad, I got a story I want to tell you. And so I tell him about Ellis and how Ellis, his life and so forth in the war. My dad had been in World War II and so forth. And how he gave his life to Jesus. One more time. Plant again. Plant again. And I said, Dad, do you want to give your life to Jesus? He's sitting in the wheelchair and he said, yes. And I'm thinking, what? 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 Yes. 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 He said, yes. Well, that's not the time to procrastinate. That's the time to say, let's pray. Let's pray. And I led him in a life prayer and so forth. And he gave his life to Jesus. And peace with God. Peace with God. Amazing. Just amazing. Amazing grace. Whole life. Whole life lived contrary to the gospel. <laughs> now he's saved. We had the funeral in the Lutheran church, you know, and Sharon and so forth. And the Lutheran pastor said, I, I've never seen such a victorious funeral. Well, there's a reason. Amen. Folks, you know, the world, even religion tells me, well, we hope you'll get to heaven. No, the Bible actually said, if you know the Bible, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. You may know that you have eternal life. I'm not a hope so person. Amen. Don't be hope so. You got to know in your heart that you know Jesus. So my daddy gets saved. Hallelujah. Don't say four months. Don't say next year. Don't say next week even. If you have an opportunity today, take it today. Amen. Take the opportunity today. Acts 1.11. Here's the disciples. Jesus ascends into heaven. He already gave them the command to go into Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father, to be witnesses in the world, and so forth. And, of course, it's kind of comical, but, you know, the men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? It's where a lot of the church is at. Oh, they're just looking like, looking at the Lord. And so they're gazing at heaven, and the angels go, Hey, we've got a job to do. This isn't your time to gaze. This isn't your time now to do something else. You know, this same Jesus is coming back. We got a job to do. Can we all agree Jesus is coming back? Yes, he's coming back. Therefore, there is a job to do. And in the meantime, of course, some people are going to leave this life early anyway. So you always want to be ready. Amen. James 4, uh, 13 through 17. But it just talks about boasting about tomorrow. We're going to say, tomorrow we'll go to this city. Tomorrow we'll do something else. Tomorrow, da 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 And Jesus says, what? the Bible says, what's your life? What's your life? You may not get to tomorrow. I expected comfort to be here today. She's not. She's in heaven. We don't know tomorrow. But you have today. You have today. Today's decisions build on tomorrow's things. Matthew 21, Jesus was talking about the two sons. or The two, the two, two sons that came and 
The one father says, go, go and work in the vineyard. And he says, yeah, I said, I'm not going. But afterwards, he regretted it. Good for him. And he went. He did it. He went to work. The vineyard. What is this? This is a harvest field. It's the harvest field. Comes the second. Says, go. And he says, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do it. And he didn't do it. So which of the one did the will of his father? Well, it was pretty obvious. The first one did. The one who did it. And Jesus said, surely I say tax collectors, harlots, are going to go to the kingdom before you. It's not a religious game that we're playing. This is the game of real life. So to do the will of the Father talks about Jesus. Sharing Christ. Sharing his love. Sharing with people around us. That is the will of the Father. Amen? The one who did the will of the Father. Here's a quote. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Amen? Even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. You can be on the right track, but you're going to get run over if you just sit there in life. Speech is conveniently located mid between thought, midway between thought and action, where it often substitutes for both. Speech is conveniently located between the, between the midway point of thought and action, and lots of times substitutes for both. Lots of people in the body of Christ. Let's just talk about the body of Christ are talkers. We have to proclaim. We say things. It's true. But doing something is better. I can't emphasize this enough. This is for all our lives, all right? This is, this is something I apply. This is something I want to do. This is something, if I'm around my grandkids, I'm saying things about Jesus. Jeannie, Jeannie Carell, some of the other day, some other kids were over and so forth, High school kids and so forth. Well, she said, you're here, so you're going to get what he gets. And she made a letter of proclamations from the Bible. This one big kid, and he's quoting the scripture. Good for him. Go to the scripture. But you're going to get it at our house. These are important things. I don't hope to finish well. I plan to finish well. Amen? How does a project... Get to be a year behind schedule. How does a project get to be a year behind schedule? One day at a time. That's how it gets to be a year behind schedule. One day at a time. Here's the procrastinator's creed. I believe that if anything is worth doing, it would have been done already. I shall never move more quickly except to avoid more work or find more excuses. You set things, sometimes you set imaginary deadlines because we resist doing so many things. So put out a deadline. Well, I've got to do this, but I kind of don't want to do it, but I've got to do it. Let's plan by Friday. By Friday. I'm going to work at it. I'm going to get it going so that something by Friday is going to be done. In college, you know, I don't even know. Do they still have term papers? I don't even know. But in college, we'd, we'd write papers and we'd write, no term papers. We'd write papers on various things like that, and then you had to submit them. And when were those things, projects, usually done? The very last week. But they knew about them, maybe the verse in the syllabus, the very first day of the class. This, this semester, you're going to have these things that you have to do, and they'll be due at this point in December or April. And when is it done? The last week. That's human nature. But listen, when we can say human nature like that's our excuse, but now we have a divine nature in us. We are partakers of the divine nature. So now I think differently and I act differently and I'm going to do things differently because of the one who lives in me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do this. You can do this. Amen. So quick, just a couple more scriptures. Galatians 6. So it talks about opportunity. Uh, opportunity is like this word kairos. It's a window. It's, a t- it's maybe the right time, the right season. Remember what I said, procrastination is opportunity's assassin. You just wait and wait. Well, maybe the season passed. Procrastination is the grave in which opportunity is buried. So therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. As we have opportunity, let us do good 
A lot of times the toughest thing to do is to start. The airplane's biggest effort getting off the ground is on the runway to get airborne, which takes an enormous amount of fuel and power and thrust to get off the ground. Remember, Lowell, when we were flying out of the first time out of Mumbai, and it's late at night, it's just hot and it's humid, and we're in an old DC-10, and it's packed with people and baggage, and, you, and you, you're like trying to fit a toothpick of anything else in that plane, and we're, we're Lowell and I are back there, everything's squished together and so forth, and, and we start down that runway. And, it's, and of course, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, it's easier to take off in the cold. It's easier to take off on a day like this than on a day when it's hot and humid. That's why in international airports, they set, take off most of the flights in the middle of the night because it's at least a little cooler rather than the day. But we're in that plane, and I'm just thinking, in Jesus' name, get off the ground. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, long, took forever. Finally, we lift off as, we, as we've crossed the wall for the slums below at like the last minute. And I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. We're in the air. Well, once you get airborne, it's easier. But the effort to start is difficult. But turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it. The effort to start is difficult. So Matthew 5, verse 16. Jesus just said, good works. He says, let men's light shine. Men may see your good works and glorify your Father. Now, these works pertain to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about here. So those sorts of things. So they, they, they see your actions. Notice, notice you can't see words. You see actions. So my, my words have to translate into some sort of action on the ground in my life. So, so if my kids, our kids see us do things. Our kids know we're reading our Bibles. Our grandkids know that's what we're going to do. They see actions. I could, I could sit there and lecture to them, this is what you ought to do, and that, and that Papa and Nani don't do any of it. Goes over the head. Kids are smart, but they see actions. That actions translates into something then. One last thing. I can talk about fishing. I mean, I can talk about fishing, but I'm not fishing. I can read about fishing. I know all about fishing, but I'm not fishing. I can buy a fishing license. Go to the store. I got a, I got a fishing license, but I'm not fishing. You know, I talk about it and so forth, buy a license. I can get fishing gear. I got a rod, I got a reel, I got a tackle box. When I went out with Kurt, he looked at my stuff and thought, leave it home. I've got better stuff. You can have a rod and reel, but you're still not fishing, right? I can go to the lake, be at the lake, fishing. Nope, not fishing yet. I can get in the boat and go out in the water, fishing. Not fishing yet. And this is where lots of people are in life. They talk about it. They know about it. They got a license. They got all the lingo. They got this and that and so forth. They look the part and so forth. You could have tracks in your pocket. But you're not fishing until you put bait in the water with a hook. And then you are fishing. Assuming you're not in your bathtub. All right. All right. So, so assuming you're where fish are at, then you are actually fishing. But prior to that is all just imaginary. Imaginary. You're not fishing, though, until the bait goes in the water with the hook. Ah, then you're fishing. Now we can have some action. Otherwise, I'm just procrastinating. I'm just talking. about. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go do this. So. Write some things down in your paper. Just write, just say, what, what an area maybe would you want to improve on? So write some things down. A personal area, physical area, health area, financial area, family area, children area, grandchildren area, Bible area. What area do you want to improve on? What, write some things down. As we said, God is a planner. So we're planning, we're planning that our lives from here will look different later. We're planning that, that things will change in our lives in a good way. Hallelujah. We're planning for this. I'm planning, you're planning for success. Amen? You're planning for success. This is something you can share this video. You can share it with other people and so forth. Give it away to somebody so to help them in their lives to bring action into their spiritual lives for Jesus Christ. Churches, I don't know any church... An evangelical church, if you say, boy, the, there's a great commission to reach the world. You bet there is. Yeah, you bet there is. They'd all agree with that. 
How many people do it is another thing. How many people apply it is another thing. So knowing it, knowing it here, but doing it here from our hearts is something else. The same thing, all the other things. We should read our Bible. We've got a Bible. We've got to have a Bible. You can imagine how it would be. And, of course, in other countries, they're confiscating Bibles and so forth, and the Bible's hid and so forth. And Jeannie delivered Bibles to the underground church in Russia where Bibles were illegal. Supernatural event that we've shared before here. People wept when they got them because they said, you brought bread for us. Well, you can imagine how many Christians are in America that you could take their Bible and it could be gone six months. Well, is it missing? It was an, I fed it over there six months ago. I don't even know it's gone. But that person in that Russian church, one person was reading the Bible with 50 people sitting around listening. 50 people taking notes, copying it as they heard it. Precious. Love letter. So as you have things, then you, as you apply them in your life, you'll see success. You'll just be blessed. Amen? You'll be blessed. And you'll leave a legacy for others coming after you for, you, for their lives. So let's put up a hand here a second. Father, I thank you for your word that is so good. And Lord, we're not saying four months. No, we're just saying today. We're saying today, Lord. This is an acceptable time to live for you, to walk with you. To be your servants. And so we accept that, Lord God. And we, we resist putting off things that are right things. We resist that. And we embrace change in our lives. We embrace, Lord, that you want to work, us, that, work in us that which is to your good glory. That we are your workmanship. And Father, I just thank you today. Thank you for changing us, touching us for your glory and honor. Blessing people here around the world as they hear this word as well, Father. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 You know, I just want to say to you as my pastor, Pastor Dave, I want to thank you for that message. Amen. Something happened. Something happened in my life. Amen. And I believe that your life too. Yeah. And that for all of us, you know, I wrote down in the, the um, Facebook Live, break inertia. Yes. Break inertia. Break inertia. I believe that happened yeah. today yeah. in the spirit. Yeah. It did for me. It did for you. Yeah. The word yeah. always speaks to ourselves. Always does, yeah. So the spirit of God yes. has shown up yeah. here today. Yeah, he's good. And his word has gone forth. His word always finds the mark. Amen. And... We broke inertia. So can we all shout amen to that? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, be blessed as you go your way. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hope you wrote some things down. Yes. uh, Reread your notes. Declare them. Speak the word and agree with God. Amen. There's such power when we agree with God. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.